This is Less Parent on Purpose. It's a parenting podcast for those who want to thrive and not just survive these parenting years. My name is Jay Holland, and I'll be bringing with me tips and tricks and tools that I've learned along the way in 20 plus years of youth ministry, parenting, and foster parenting. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, This is part two of a fun little series that, that I'm doing with some experts um, called Getting to Know Generation Z. And joining me today is the same expert crew that visited last time. So real quickly, let's just go through again uh, for those maybe who didn't catch last week. And uh, these, this is my expert panel of actual real live Generation Z human beings from our church youth group. Um, so let's start over here on my right this time. Uh, tell your name and uh, where you go to school, what year you are. Yes, thank you, Jay. I am Brock Olson. I go to Clark Events Learning Center. I just finished 11th grade, and I'm going into 12th grade. I'm a child of God, son of Dave Olson, Dave Olson Realty. <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, I'm Chloe Reddick. I just finished my junior year at Clark, and I'm going into my senior year next year. All right. Uh, my name is John Klein, <laughs> and uh, I go to Clark, Clark Cranes. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me. I'm totally normal. And... Um, <laughs> I'm a Klein, yeah, son of Kleins, and, and God, Davis. Uh, what grade are you in? Oh, I'm a sophomore. Oh, I'm going to be a junior next you got to act like a junior now, man. You're acting like a sophomore. Oh, and dude. as of today, or yesterday, I still got junior. two months, but, you know, mature quickly. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm right. sorry. That, that was John that just kicked the entire table that made that sound in your ears that probably made you crash into the car beside you, so we apologize for that, and moving on, Davis. Hi, I'm Davis. Uh, <laughs> I just graduated from Clark. And um, I'm headed to FSU in the fall. All right. So we started last week a conversation on getting to know Generation Z. By definition, Gen Z roughly would be your kids who are currently in elementary, middle school, or high school. They are a distinct generation from the millennials that were before them. Um, We talked last week about some of the different different characteristics. Uh, These kids are more drone-parented than helicopter-parented. They are much more entrepreneurial, which is still a word that I don't know how to say. Uh, they're, they're collaborative yet independent. So they, they like to work together on things. Um, they're, they're independent as well, though. So they would like to figure it out, spend a long time trying to figure it out before going and asking an adult for help. Um, it's kind of a general characteristic. And um, some of that is because they've had access to Google, Siri, um, YouTube, and all these different ways to figure things out. So today, we're just basically going to cover one topic, because I think it's, it's a pretty loaded one, and, and that is the characteristic of Generation Z that I would say they are confidently confused. So let me, let me kind of give some background on it, and then we'll just get into discussion on what you all have, have seen or noticed. Um, I feel like the, the shift started largely when I was, maybe before I was in school, I was in West Virginia, so we were behind by 50 years on everything, um, which was nice, it was a good time. But, but uh, where like moral standards and moral absolutes began to be in question, where you had more and more people who would say, yeah, maybe it's this way, maybe it's that way. And then it seemed like over the years it, it shifted from maybe to, uh, to saying like, you know, I think every opinion is, is, is good and, and we shouldn't judge, which there's some nice things about not judging. But I, I feel like it's moved even further now to where... Um, 
the only thing that is radically attacked is if you have some kind of solid moral standing or background. So those who are considered um, immoral in your all's culture in, in Gen Z are, are largely ones who hold two morals. And so the, like if, if you have a standard of um, feeling like marriage is, is for one man and one woman, uh, in your culture, in, in Gen Z, it seems like that has now become immoral to hold that standard as far as general society goes. And if you feel like a male is somebody who has an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, then you are intolerant and immoral because people should be able to choose whatever they want. So I'd like to just have a discussion about that today as far as um, what you've seen as far as, as, as these things I'm talking about, whether I'm accurate or not, um, and then how is it to, as a Christian student to, um, to be in that? And then maybe we'll get into like advice for parents. How can you help coach or equip your kids for it? So first off, just do you feel like it's an accurate statement that uh, it's considered immoral culturally now to hold to solid morals? I would say, yeah. Yeah? In, in what way? Give me some examples. Just because... Um... I feel like there's a lot more backlash towards Christianity now because um, a lot more, like, we live in such an accepting culture that we're kind of, like, if you have, if you believe, like, anything that's against someone else's happiness, then that means that you're wrong. Um, also, uh, like, even, um, like, a lot of them have... Uh, you know, like, accept our, like, accept people, don't judge, don't judge. But then you say, oh, I'm Christian, and I'll still love you for being a, uh, a homosexual, because um, Jesus calls us to love all sinners. I'm a sinner, too. Uh, but I think that's wrong for them to have a mindset of, that is so mean when they're saying, you know, accept, 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 and they don't accept you know, Christianity, mm-hmm. um, it kind of doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm not saying all sure. uh, non-Christians are like that. Right. Um, but that's definitely uh, something that I've run into. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to, to point out. When we talk about characteristics of any group, there's not one person that hits every one of those. Like, if you were talking about characteristics of evangelical Christians, you could talk about a lot of things, but we would hit some of those and we would not be some of those. So we're, we're talking about in general. And I think it's helpful also to point out that, that you've got, you've probably got friends and peers that have just denied, like they just don't, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe the Bible, but they're not antagonistic against it or, or, or hateful towards it. So I, I think that's worth acknowledging. Um, but Davis, what has been your experience on campus of, of, you know, you've been on two different high school campuses. You were on a public middle school campus What's your experience um, trying to be a consistent Christian on those campuses? Well, it's it's, it's certainly difficult, um, especially, like, I feel like the last few years have really, especially in high school, because people start to debate about politics. In middle school, nobody really cared. Um, but, like, in high school, just the idea that all truth is true, mm-hmm. like, the truth is subjective and truth isn't just one thing that's true. Um, 
But my my uh, my experience and like the best thing that I've had the best luck with, I guess, is just I'm not God, and I'm not perfect. And the Bible says, um, "Don't try to take the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a plank in yours." So I'm not gonna say, "Hey, what you're doing is sinful," because people don't do that to me, and I sin all the time. Mm. But I come from a place of love, and I let people know that. Hey, I love Jesus and I love you because Jesus tells me to love you. And like people tend to respond better to love and grace mm-hmm. than to judgment. That's and great. What they're, what they're seeing is hatred from Jesus because Christians love God. God must, God must hate me is what, mm-hmm. what they see through our, through our lives when we're being judgmental like that do you all get into any individual conversations with people where they specifically ask hey do you think what i'm doing is wrong i've had uh i um had a day a uh, (laughs) can't talk sorry i had a discussion with um at my school with um it was my friend and then two other um atheist uh one was a girl and the other one was a girl but identified as a guy um and so a um debate in the classroom it was after school um uh, after the bell rang and a uh, debate of creation evolution broke out and when it comes to science i'm not the best i don't have the most i don't have the smartest mind um but uh thankfully my friend noah God calls us to be prepared, and I failed to do so. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, uh, my friend, I wasn't supposed to say his name. It's okay. That's okay. He's a great guy. I, <laughs> I'm allowed to say he's a great guy. That's right. Um, so my buddy, uh, who's very um, intelligent in as far as science goes, um, and as far as a lot of other things go, um, but they were we were debating uh, creation and evolution. This story's taking too long. I hurried up there. Um, but, uh, so I'm like, I have, I have like no idea what to say. Jay tells us all these things to do. I totally like forgot what to say. What do I say? So I'm like, I'm just going to share the gospel. Cause that's mm-hmm. like, um, they can't, cause I wasn't going to go into, you know, Genesis. Cause then they would argue with some kind of, uh, something. I don't know. Uh, I felt like that was sure. a very, not a very good trail going. Uh, so I shared, uh, you know, it's proven fact, even atheists believe and know that Jesus was a real man. He walked the earth, and he was crucified. And on his crucifixion, um, he told the people that were crucifying him that um, he loved them. And uh, once he died, the Roman soldier um, at the foot of the cross said, Surely this is the Son of God. And so for someone to say, to go through all that persecution and say that they still love me, that is the, um, that's what, uh, that's what makes me live for Jesus every day. And, um, and I was crying. I was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm sharing the gospel right now. Uh, and the girls did not, um, well, the girl and the now guy, uh, did not um, repent and believe right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, they still uh, haven't. But they said, wow, that was probably the greatest thing we've heard all the discussion. Wow. Um, so it's definitely a, it's definitely hard to, you know, put your heart out like that and then to not have them repent but God doesn't call us to you know make people repent he calls us to share and at least in that that 
excuse me, that was my big bump. Sorry, guys. Um, at, at least in that scenario, you weren't fully rejected in that. And even no, Jesus didn't. wasn't fully rejected. It's almost kind of sometimes like we talk about a yellow light where there seemed to be some movement. And I think about me. I was I was six years old when I came to Jesus, but how many times had I heard the gospel by the time I actually got saved? I mean, I grew up in church, so I heard it week after week after week in a good, solid church environment. So a lot of your peers, how many of your peers would you say, and think back not necessarily just to uh, the small school you go to, which probably has the highest percentage of Christians of any public school now, because so many of them go to our church. Um, from from your high school experience, uh, how many, like what percentage of kids would you say, based on any kind of evidence in their life, actually follow Jesus? In your schools? Ten. Ten? Can we let us see the school? Huh? We let us see. Uh, just in your, in, let's say well, not the school you're in now, which... Well, since I, I went to a different school freshman year, because uh -huh. Clark is only like 10th and up, uh -huh. um, at my old school, um, I was really like amazed because like some of the kids I used to go to uh, FCA with, and I went to the first party for like the first little bit, but it was like really, it was, it was really annoying. And, um, cause the kids there, but like, I was really surprised cause some of those Christian guys later I went in the bathroom, I saw them, they were smoking weed and they were like, Hey John, come over here, come try, come get, come get a hit of this and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, oh, dude, we just, we just talked about this and stuff like that. And, um, about like drugs and alcohol and the mind and what it does and like how the Bible says about all this stuff. And I was just really surprised of how I thought these guys were like looking out for me. I was looking out for them. You know, we go to the same school. We have some of the same classes, and I mean, I, I knew people people do that all the time. I just wasn't expecting, like, good people. So out of all those people, I'd probably say, like, a good five of them out of the whole entire school of <laughs> 5,000. I'm pretty sure there's wow, a good that, five. There's, that's like North India there. So. It's, I think it's more than five. No, it, there's, there, well, there's also not 5,000 people. Well, right? there's also, like, your church face. You go to church, and you have your church face, and then uh -huh. you have your school face, and you have your friend face sure. of, like, your different personalities wherever you right. are. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I a lot of us are in process. We're all in process, and I know that through a good part of high school, I truly love Jesus in my heart, but I let it show based on who I was around sometimes a lot and sometimes not a lot, depending on what it cost me socially. Um, but you would say, would you, would you say like 10% is the high end of those who demonstrate any kind of actual walk with Christ in your, in your schools? Mm -hmm. And it could be much lower than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's it? So most of you all, at least for your freshman year or sophomore year, depending on when you transferred in, you were a severe minority in your school as far as your faith. What's it like to just try to walk through um, school like that when you, at least faith-wise, feel very alone? What was your all's experience with that? People kept on, people kept on would like ask me like, hey, why do you believe in Jesus if there's like all these people starving in different countries and all these like uh, people dying and there's mm -hmm. war and stuff going on? Why do you believe in a God that like does that? Or like would create that why would a god create that and why would you believe in him don't why can't you just believe that like this just happens this is humanity mm. you know we all came from monkeys that mm. are just chloe what was your experience um for me i had a really tough time just like moving from like the safe environment of like elementary school to middle school it was like a it's really, it was a huge change like i hadn't really like experienced like 
anything like that before, but it was really hard for me to make friends in middle school. Like, uh, going to church was kind of like my safe haven, like, to be with my good friends because I was constantly, like, torn down in middle school because of my faith and because of just, like, who I was at a, as a person. Hmm. And, um, it's, I don't know, I kind of find that it's really ironic that people call us the judgmental ones where they judge us just because we say that we're Christians. Yeah. It it feels like middle school in general is just about the worst time of people's lives. Um, I think, did you all see the lion King? Anybody? Um, Yeah. I just think of the hyenas. Like that's, that's what it's like to go to middle school. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you parents of middle schoolers, if they seem emotionally all over the place, it's because they are, and um, just walking with them in grace. Uh, let's talk about the word tolerance for a minute. Um, I, I wrote in, in the, um, the blog that goes with this week, the, the word tolerance has changed in meaning. No longer does it mean, I disagree with you, but we can live in mutual respect and appreciation. But now it means... I must agree with you and that what you're doing is perfectly wonderful. Otherwise, you're something phobic, you know, whatever the phobic of the day is. So have you noticed that, like, tolerance doesn't mean that we can disagree and be okay, but that tolerance now seems to mean you must approve of what I do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. If you're not, if there's not a celebration of the the act, whatever it is, um then you're not tolerant. You're a, you're a bigot. Hmm. In, in these people's minds, not, not, I mean, not in my mind. Like, right. Right. It's crazy. Um, one of the things I think as an adult that just was very surprising is it seemed like the, uh, the gay marriage, um, agenda or topic just took a long time coming. And uh, then finally, when gay marriage was legalized, it felt like the next day, all of a sudden, we were talking about transgenders and, and everything else. As, as that, I don't know if you all, I don't, did you all feel like you experienced in schools where there was a sense in which almost nobody was talking about transgender stuff, and then all of a sudden, it was kind of all over the place? Definitely. So it felt like it happened overnight to you all as well? Kind of. I mean, like, you could see, like, just, like, you know, small parts in your school. Like, maybe some people, like, believe, you know, things be a certain way. And it kind of just, like, like, as it was, like, legalized, I feel like a lot of people felt more open about the subject Mm -hmm. and felt like they could talk about it. So I feel like that's why it kind of seemed like to be an overnight thing. So it kind of went from an anomaly to kind of a little bit trendy. I mean, not necessarily the cool thing to do, but... Like, just much more, much more often. And um, I think with just the celebration of, um, with the celebration of gay marriage and with the legalization, it kind of just became, like, people were, I guess, less afraid of, I don't know. It's It was, sure. it was definitely very sudden, though. But it's not something where people are satisfied saying, ah, you can do what you want, but I disagree with it. Like, they're looking for you to also say, no, it's good. It's, like, whatever you do is great. Um, do you do you see that? Well, certainly, like I was saying before, um, if you're not celebrating along with everybody, then you're the bigot. Um, some of this stuff, I mean, kind of requires your, your tolerance is the new definition. <laughs> Um, because 
it requires your participation. Um, if somebody identifies as the gender that is um, inside them, but not biologically theirs. Sure. Um, again, if it if it's say it's a he who identifies as she. If you say he, then again you're being disrespectful, and um, I mean you. You essentially have to participate. You're you're forced to call people what they're not, um, to, I guess, appease them, which is ironic because the, the transgender, uh, transgender suicide rate is astronomical. Yeah, so high. Even even when they go through changes, it it remains like astronomically high. And it, it's recently like, Bill, as science guy, he's the expert. Um, he recently suggested that uh, we should let three-year-olds decide their gender, which is obviously a choice that a three-year-old is not capable to make whatsoever. And the terrifying part about that is in the deciding of your gender, they start giving you different drugs and chemicals that change the chemistry of your body. It it doesn't actually change your gender. Every cell in your body still has the same DNA that is male or female. Um, But yeah, there is an agenda that to me just feels like the agenda is to break down the fabric of society. And I, you know, I don't know if there's any one person pushing this agenda that would say, yes, that's my, my goal. But on a spiritual level, it definitely feels like the spiritual goal is to break down the society. Well, like what I see, what I see in school, I have a friend and she's, um, she's not like trans, she's just bi. She likes girls and guys. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, like, she's one of our close friends, and, like, we hang out with her, but we didn't realize that she was, like, bi until just recently, and not, like, everybody knows it, but, and, but it was just weird, because she always, I mean, not to be, like, gruesome or anything, she just wanted to, you know, have sex with somebody, it didn't matter what gender, because she's, she's pretty, I mean, she's mm-hmm. a creation of God and stuff like that, but apparently she didn't think she's all that, and some people just want attention, Yeah. and at the time, being a transgender or being a bisexual or homosexual stuff like that that's like the new hot topic of right who people want to be yeah so i you know this is a parenting podcast so part of what i want to do is just give a snapshot to mom and dads of of what students are experiencing because some of you guys i know your parent your some of the parents listening their kids will really talk to them well some of them their kids are a little more closed off sometimes the kids are afraid to talk to their parents about their friends because as a mom or dad like if you hear that one of your one of your child's friends is saying that they're transgender or bisexual or whatever it is the instant fear could be oh get away from them stay away from them um but that doesn't work out a lot of times in the actual classrooms like you can't control as a parent i can't control who my kid talks to so um one of the things i think parent wise the challenge that we have is is first instilling in our kids what is absolute moral truth and what is right and what is wrong but the second part is to is to coach them on like how do you how do you go to school and navigate this world where you believe this but everybody around you isn't necessarily going to believe it so there's there's a sense in which you have to kind of build into them like you're a missionary in this culture and um i like i like to use the, the illustration that i've heard before um you know you're bringing light into darkness 
but imagine if you're sleeping in a dark room and somebody comes on and turns the lights on full blast all at one time, like you don't appreciate them. You don't say, oh, thank you. Tell that person I'll text them back later. Um, you, you don't say, oh, thank you so much for turning on the lights. And like you're angry at them. Um, mm. So sometimes we kind of have to do a gentle um, way of, you know, kind of using the dimmer switch and turning on a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time so that their eyes can adjust. Because if you're walking in darkness and you don't see truth, um, full, full, you know, even Jesus himself, you know, God who is unapproachable and, and dwells in, in, I think it's unapproachable light or the way, the way that it said he veiled himself as a human. He, he became fully man. Part of that is because if, if just God himself, every time even an angel would appear, people would freak out and be afraid they're going to die and fall down and, and, you know, be terrified. So we want to be able to gently, um, be able to coach coach our students, coach our kids into how to present truth in a gentle way. So any pointers that you all would have, you all are um, up there in in uh, your upper years of high school now. Um, as far as walking in a culture where um, kids are confused, but they're kind of confidently confused, like they they don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing. How? How can parents help coach their kids to be in that culture, to be loving in that culture, um, but still have moral boundaries? What advice would you give? I would say um, to not let the... I mean, I've never been a parent. Everybody knows that. Praise God. But But one day, hopefully one one day, day. you'll have your own Um, bundle of confusing things. I don't know if this advice, somebody has tried this and it hasn't worked. Uh, but I would say maybe make the, if the child is confused and they're confidently confused and they, you can clearly see that they do not want to, um, show any sign of, uh, non-confused or (laughs) show any sign of confusement. Um, try to let them see that, like, don't be like, Hey, you moron, you stupid idiot. I mean, no parent's going to say that, right? I'm uh, making it more dramatic. Um, But make them, you know, feel like, hey, Jesus loves you. And it's definitely a lot easier. It is uh, easier to live for yourself, but your life is more rewarding. And it's, um, in the long run, it is a lot easier to um, make decisions out of love for Jesus. And um, so I think if the child... uh, well, they're probably not a child. They're probably like a young adult or something. I don't know. But uh, so try to make them feel like, hey, it's okay to admit when you're wrong. Okay. Um, so so how else would you, what advice would you give to parents? Let's say I've got a kid because, hey, I do. I'm a parent. I have a kid who I want to not only teach moral values, but I want to try to help equip them. How do you walk through an immoral world with moral values? Well, the Bible says clearly they will know they will know who you are because of how you love each other. Mm. And again, when... Oh, that's good. Yeah. You didn't make that up. I didn't make you? that up. That's god read <laughs> scripture. Yeah. Um, but when you're coming from a place, again, of, of judgment, like, that turns people off immediately to the gospel. Because, like, fire and brimstone, people, people, people don't like that, especially, like you were saying, people who are walking in darkness, this, this blinding light. Mm-hmm. It's going to just send them running um but just love and grace and 
not com- not compromising your doctrines and not compromising the morals that God set for us, but but loving people and leading a quiet life and just loving everybody where they are. That's good. Chloe, you have any thoughts? Um, mostly like what helped me, um, is just like knowing who I am mm-hmm. and, um, we know who we are because we want to, we identify with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, I, obviously I'm not perfect. I right. have had my struggles. I, you know, I'm a sinner, like no one is perfect, but, um, just to trying to be Christ-like, trying to be giving and loving no matter what and like be accepting of everyone and um yeah just like I've learned that like being more Christ-like has been definitely like it's been a lot easier to talk to my coworkers, people at school um like once they see that um like if you act like Christ um like Christ just like had people like flock around him just because of who he was and um how he treated others and how much he loved them and um so that that same thing is true today like if you if you're just like an overall nice person like you know more people are going to be friends with you and talk to you and stuff and um through that I've definitely gotten to have more um open conversations with people mm-hmm. they are more like accepting of what I have to say and don't interrupt me and um they basically like um see my viewpoint a little bit better because um like when I act Christ-like I guess yeah I would just kind of piggyback on that as as we wrap up um the idea that as a parent and as a as a youth pastor I want to push identity so hard like I want to push identity number one made in the image of God that that my kids are made in the image of God, a beautiful creation of God, male and female that, that reflect his glory. Um, and then if they belong to Jesus, if they put their faith in Christ, that identity piece of, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. And now, coring your identity to, you're an ambassador of Jesus to a broken world. And, and the ambassador that you are is in that Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 through 22. It, we are to be ambassadors for people to reconcile to God. And so, you know, that takes time. And one of the things is just the kids being comfortable in who they are, being affirmed by their mom and dad. Um, you know, as parents, you got to correct a lot of stuff. So you have to reinforce, man, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Um, uh, you know, you, you, I am just thrilled and happy that you're my kid um, because they're going to get torn down as they go out. So as much security as they can leave the home with as far as knowing that they belong to God, knowing that God loves them, and then on top of that, knowing that their parents love them and care about them, and even when they screw up, they're going to be okay. Kids are going to be insecure. I mean, I know all of you all have just kind of walked through your own bundles of insecurities um, but having that foundation that even if you're insecure and you can't figure out how to fit in quite right in school, you've known that God loves you. You've known that your parents love you. And that's kind of helped, I think, shield you guys from having to latch on and find that security in some of the insanity that's happened in your school environment. So great job to you guys and great job to your mom and dad. So, hey, guys, thank you so much for joining today. I want to say bye to anybody in particular since the whole world listens to this podcast. The whole I thought it was just for you.
the youth don't listen to podcasts, but they're hey parents world. Do. I'm John Klein. Um, <laughs> I just want you to know that one day um, when I become super awesome, then that'll be good. All right, yeah. you know what, Brock? Nice. Right. Thank you, Jay. All right, thank you, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, that was fun for me. Hope it was for you. Uh, Not just fun, but maybe enlightening to to hear what some experiences of of students are walking through right now. And these are kids that love Jesus and have solid homes. So imagine those that don't pray for them, and let's work hard to, to be lights in those communities. So let's parent on purpose. It's a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. Check us out. Uh, come visit us if you need a church home. And also check out letsparentonpurpose.com for blogs, archives, and anything else you might need. Uh, remember, guys, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So don't get all stressed out. We'll talk to you soon.